Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Today, we're going to be taking a closer look at Jack Posobiec. Who is Jack Posobiec? Well, that's a really great question. And do you see yourself as a journalist? You know, I don't know. I, I would say I see myself as something kind of different, something new. Jack says and does a lot of things that would lead a rational person to certain conclusions about who and what he is. However, we make no such assumptions because Jack gets really upset when people try to label him based on the things he says, does, or claims to believe. You see, everything is a troll and nothing matters and he should suffer no consequences for what he does. Also, many people are saying that you, dear listener, are probably a woke Antifa communist who's destroying America. And... If you suffer consequences because somebody repeatedly suggests this on their Twitter account with 1.9 million followers, that's probably your own fault, isn't it? We make no assertions or conclusions here because such things are the stuff of blue and on leftists who can't maim to paraphrase comments obviously made in jest unless they're not. Rather, we present a series of quotes and well-sourced articles to allow the audience to dig in further and to do their own research, so to speak. This is his permanent record. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating and a review on the app that you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe at didnothingwrongpod.com to get our content straight into your inbox. All of our work is free, but we're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that ensure that we can keep doing this important work. Thank you. Where do you begin with Jack? Because every day it's a new disinfo campaign that he just stumbles into. Of course, mm-hmm. he's he's just reporting the news via Twitter and his TPUSA podcast thing and and his human events. He's editor in chief for human events, which I'm I honestly do. You, who writes there? I don't even I, I don't even. That's look a at great and, question. Um, among others, he. Seems to be one of the few bylines that actually shows up. At least he's one of the only ones anyone's heard of. Jack has lived a few different lives in his time. He has been a naval reservist and a naval officer at one point. He was a Game of Thrones blogger at one point. He was angry GOT fan, Game of Thrones. No one understands. Uh, he went from blogging about Game of Thrones to working for an outfit called Citizens for Trump in 2015. And it's a great question as to what exactly Citizens for Trump was and did. He wrote a book about this and... Oh, did you read that one? I, I have I know it, you read it. it. Oh, you poor man. Why well, did you... you know, I just wanted to understand. Huh. Do, you, do you understand? You know, I'm not sure I do. Because so much of what he talks about is how to get your own narrative out and how to deceive the media, how psyops work, et cetera, et cetera. And it makes one wonder if these books are not part and parcel of said psyop, but you can definitely see the tactics he uses. I'm not trying to sell books for the guy, obviously, but his take on 4G warfare is really interesting if you want to understand him because he lives his writing. So kudos to him for doing something honest, which is rare for him. (laughs) 
he has had people that have seen all of these various contradictory things that he does and says they've made some assertions about the guy over the years. And here's a clip of him addressing these various assertions that people have made. And we're going to talk a little bit about that afterwards. So let's run through, if we can, the gamut, the gamut of the Jack Posobiec conspiracy theories. You start out all the way on the outside far left, right? And the outside far extreme, crazy, just rabid, you know, foaming at the mouth leftists say, oh, Posobiec's a Nazi. Posobiec is a racist. He's a racist. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a tired refrain. It's a sad refrain. Everybody knows it's fake. So nobody believes that one. So moving on. So he, he essentially called himself Roger Stone's man. Mm-hmm. That is according to the guy who termed the phrase alt-right, Richard Spencer, who said that he met Posobiec at the RNC convention in 2016, that Jack came up to him and introduced himself as Roger Stone's man. Now, if people want to be skeptical about Richard Spencer, I totally get that, but Jack has repeatedly talked about how close he is with Roger Stone. They still occasionally, you'll see a picture of them together, an interview. There's no questioning how close those two are. And pictures exist of Jack and Richard Spencer at that same event. It's worth noting that when the Huffington Post asked Jack about this meeting, he claimed that it never happened, the picture was, quote, probably Photoshop, and that Richard Spencer is a scumbag Nazi. As you can see, Jack frequently does this sort of thing. There is a third-party account of the conversation, though, a woman by the name of Katie McHugh, who is a former staffer at Breitbart and GotNews.com, was at that meeting and confirms that it happened. There are some old tweets that Jack deleted but that were archived where he attended the alt-right press conference. And he also tweeted something about, and this was in late 2016, about how the media can't get enough of Richard Spencer. Yep. The media can't get enough of Richard Spencer. Yeah. So he, he started off as this pro-Trump fringe guy in this unofficial group led by an Italian who had some connections in Europe, but wasn't really all that connected here in the U.S., and then Jack is essentially acting as like a alt-right press junkie or... Right, like a press agent for the alt-right, to some extent, like pushing their stuff. And it should be said that the alt-right was not subtle ever in stating what it believes. This has always been a white nationalist trip, and Jack obviously had to know that going into it, Richard Spencer later disavowed Jack, calling him a sociopath. This is Richard Spencer talking about Jack. Posobiec. I met Posobiec at, at, in the, at the RNC in 2016. And he was all about, like, I'm your guy. He's like, oh, yeah, look, I'm linked in with all these people. I love what you're doing. We're, we, all, we all support you and agree with you. I'm going to be your man and all this kind of stuff. And it, it's just, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I feel... I, I, I'm glad I experienced this because um, I, I learned some lessons that I could have learned from books. Beware of flatterers, a and then just when something when, when something seems a little too good to be true, when people start saying, "Oh, you can get to power, or we're going to be your, we'll represent you, we'll be your guy in the system, or whatever," it's bullshit. Mostly, they are they don't really have loyalty to you. They want to use whatever energy they see, and then they're going to dump you. 
and they're not serious. I mean, Pisobiak, I'm, you know, Pisobiak is out there tweeting about, you know, how the liberals are racist and Donald Trump's the only true colorblind, you know, classical libertarian in the mix. So, you know, the guy, I think he's a sociopath. One of the things that really interested me when I saw that was that Richard released what he said were text messages between him and Jack Posobiec. And one of the things that Jack mentioned in those text messages was a familiarity with the works of an author by the name of Harold Covington. And Harold Covington is a white supremacist who lived in the Northwest, who was a big advocate of what was known as the Butler Plan, which was the idea of all the white folks moving to the Pacific Northwest and establishing a whites-only homeland up here. And Harold Covington was a very polarizing figure, even among other white supremacists. A lot of them hated him. He had drama with a lot of these guys. He's a deep cut. He's not somebody that a lot of these guys have ever heard of. And I would venture to say, if anyone listening to this has heard of Harold Covington, I I would honestly be surprised. Even people that follow this stuff and research this stuff, he's just not a big name. If you Google him, there are articles, there's reporting. You know, there are people who knew who he was, but this is not... But you'd have to know who he was to Google him. Right. You'd have to have some idea that he existed to even bother doing a Google search. And why would you... If you're just some guy who's a normie right-winger. Right. Because this is not normie right-winger stuff. This is violent, racist sci-fi. Self-published. Well, one of the things that I would point out is Ronaldo Nazario, the head of the base before, which is a far-right, anti-Semitic group that, well, eventually broke up and had Nazaro flee to Russia, where he apparently still lives. Well, this was a group that saw themselves as sort of the successors to the groups in the 80s, like the Order, who got together and tried to plan a white revolution. And that was the base. They were a group that was started by this guy, Ronaldo Nazaro, who at one point was a U.S. defense contractor and had some, shall we say, skills as a result of that. And he put together a group, uh, mostly online, but they did get together and have what they called hate camps in various areas. The guy was trying to put together a white supremacist revolutionary army, which has been a goal of theirs forever. And he, at one point before he really had this together, traveled to Bremerton, Washington, which is where um, Harold Covington was located at the end of his life. And tried to get a meeting with Harold Covington, but Harold had happened to die right about that same time. He had diabetes. He was in terrible shape. So Nazario was a big fan of Covington's work. And most of the people who are big fans of Covington's work tend to be pretty deep in that world. And the text messages between Jack and Spencer belies that Jack has read all of these books and is quoting them like he's expecting Richard to know all of this stuff. And Richard says, I'm not super familiar with Covington, lol. Which I can't really blame him because this is not great stuff. It's that idea of the white ethno state in the in the Northwest that is that is a fantasy among white supremacists, white nationalists, and pretty much always has been. This is not. Yeah, yeah. it's strange for Jack to claim he's read it if he hasn't, because why do you even know who this person is? But it's even stranger if Jack actually read these books because. 
unless you're a fan, what what are you getting out of this? Right. And this is not the easiest stuff, you know, to even track down. It's it's a case of like you would have to know that this exists. You would have to know that this is like source material and are you doing this to try and impress Richard Spencer? Cuz you think Richard Spencer might know all about this stuff? Or are you doing this because you actually enjoy reading this kind of thing? We know you're a sci-fi fan. Also, why are you trying to impress Richard Spencer? Why, right. why was that important for you? And that's, of course, now he's he's disavowed it and claimed it never happened. But yeah, but you look at Jack's tweets in 2016 and then you remember stuff like, wow, it's already got 1,400 comments in the last 88 minutes. And uh-huh. they've used it 1,400 times in the last 88 years. And you realize that, like, wow, huh, he is throwing out memes here. The 14 refers to the 14 words that white supremacist terrorist David Lane came up with. We're not repeating them. And the 88 refers to the eighth letter of the alphabet, which is an H. And, you know, two of those stands in their in their argot for Heil Hitler. So he's either serious about this or trolling with this. Either way, it's kind of bad. Serious? He's not serious. Why are you taking him seriously? He only posted it on Twitter and said it for all of his followers, but then he deleted it. So he must obviously have been regretting that. He also used. Oh, oh, it's a joke. It was just a joke. It was. Come on. When he used those brackets around them and Wolf and Wolf. Uh huh. So the echo brackets are what you use. You, You put three parentheses around a person's name or a thing if you want to imply that that thing is either Jewish or controlled by the Jews. It's another big white supremacist online meme, and Jack did some of that as well, accusing CNN anchor Wolf Blitzer of being Jewish. And he, you know, used the them at the Peter Thiel press conference. So it's definitely some territory that he is not afraid to walk in, as it were. Well, I think it's important to say that I have never seen Jack say that Jews control the media. Now, have I seen memes that could be taken by certain viewers to imply that Jews control the media? Yes, but that's only because his audience does their own research Mm -hmm. and any conclusions they draw were of course not intended by Jack who has disavowed all forms of anti-Semitism. Right. Right. He's, he's, he's clean on this to the point where he doesn't want to be put on any kind of list of anti-Semites. So he sent the following message to the anti-defamation league. He filmed this statement that you're about to hear standing in front of the Auschwitz concentration camp. It would be wise of the ADL to remember the history of what happened the last time people started going around making lists of undesirables. Now, he'll probably tell you he didn't mean it like that. And you're just triggered. And you like to call everyone on the right a Nazi. So even though he's done all of these anti-Semitic things, this was all a joke, right? He was just trolling. He was just pretending. None of this is serious at all. And if you don't like that, or if you don't get that, it's because you don't know how trolling works. And you don't understand memes. You don't. How do you not understand memes? It's not real. It's not like he's saying anything. It's just, 
a thing that people do to spark a conversation. Right. It's not meant to be taken seriously. Oh, you want to criminalize memes? Well, what do memes even matter? What do repeatedly pushing a message through sarcasm and witty banter and creative images have to do with the real world. Right. They don't influence anything. That that it may be taken to be anti Semitism, but that's only because you don't you don't get the joke. You don't have a sense of humor, bro. Yeah. It's all a joke, bro. Unfortunately there is one label that has stuck to Jack, and that's Neo Nazi Collaborator. He can't shake it. And that's because of the Clark brothers. Jeffrey and Edward Clark were a pair of neo-Nazi brothers from the Washington, D.C. area. Jeffrey Clark was a fixture on the far-right scene, attended many rallies, including Unite the Right in Charlottesville. Jeffrey used the usernames Pure White Evil and D.C. Bowl Gang, which is a reference to the white supremacist mass killer Dylan Roof. Jeffrey Clark was not subtle about his racism. Here's a clip of him being interviewed by Daryl Lamont Jenkins from One People's Project. Do you consider yourself a fascist? No, I don't. What do you consider yourself to be? A Nazi. Okay, that's good enough for me. Edward Clark ended up committing suicide on October 27, 2018, the day of the Tree of Life synagogue massacre in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In the following days, 30-year-old Jeffrey Clark wrote on Gab, at the alt-right social media site that's an alternative to Twitter. Only with more racism. Yes, that Jeffrey Clark wrote that Robert Bowers, the accused Pittsburgh shooter, was a hero, and that synagogue victims, quote, deserve to be killed. Jeffrey was arrested on federal weapons charges on November 9th, 2018, after his relatives turned him into the FBI. So what do you think Jack Posobiec was doing hanging out with him? Boy, that's another great question, isn't it? According to the Huffington Post, in May 2017, the Clark brothers teamed up with far-right Pizzagate propagandist Jack Posobiec, who was then the D.C. bureau chief for the far-right Canadian website Rebel Media. To shoot footage for a film Posobiec was working on about Seth Rich, the Democratic National Committee staffer, whose murder near the Clark's home in Bloomingdale has spawned numerous far-right conspiracy theories. Yeah. Well, and I think it is because I know how these people are and operate and well he can't really shake the neo-nazi collaborator moniker and if it didn't have some truth to it he would sue and force you to stop saying it but he has not sued Mm -mm. because there is a picture of the clark brothers holding a camera and walking right behind jack reportedly filming this documentary about Seth Rich, quote-unquote documentary that never gets released. But if you understand the people we're dealing with, even though Jack can't sue and can't make that moniker go away, he might say something like, these people just call everyone a Nazi. You're saying I collaborated with Nazis. Well, you say everyone's a Nazi, so everyone on the right is, is collaborating with Nazis. But these fellas called themselves Nazis. Mm-hmm. And if you look at their tweets, as I have, it is clear that that is an accurate representation of their values. Mm-hmm. And to go back to the Huffington Post thing, Laura Sennett, who's an anti-fascist researcher who works for One People's Project, spoke with Jeffrey Clark a few weeks after he and his brother were spotted in Bloomingdale with Posobiec, who by then had been fired from Rebel under mysterious circumstances after plagiarizing Jason Kessler, the white nationalist who organized the Unite the Right rally. 
again, somebody whose work that you would totally steal if you wanted to prove that you were not a racist. Clark told me, quote, that Jack Posobiec had hired him and his brother to follow him with a camera to take video of his investigation of Seth Rich, Senate told HuffPo. Not sure if it was a documentary or a news story, but Posobiec was doing some kind of reporting for Rebel Media. I asked him if Posobiec was aware of his Nazi beliefs. He told me that Posobiec absolutely was and had told Jeff that he was sympathetic to those beliefs. Ooh. Yeah. Jack denies the association with the Clark brothers. Quote, I have never heard of a Jeffrey Clark, he said. I have never hired anyone for Rebel Media. Certainly not hired this person, and I never made a Seth Rich documentary for Rebel Media. The problem is that one of the neighbors saw this going on and took pictures. So maybe he's right. Maybe Jeffrey Clark used an assumed name for some reason. Maybe it wasn't for Rebel Media. Maybe it wasn't about Seth Rich. It's really hard to say because the documentary never came out. All we have is photographs of Jack walking through Washington, D.C., being trailed by these two notorious neo-Nazi brothers, at least one of whom was never subtle about anything that he did when it came to being a Nazi. So where did Jack find these guys? How did Jack make contact with these guys? Walk me through the chain of you need a documentary crew for this. So you find these two neo-Nazi brothers to follow you. How did that happen? I'm really unclear about that. Well, but if you look back at Jack's Twitter history, especially in early 2017, they hadn't really dropped that alt-right name and association. And that is definitely after Trump won, Mm -hmm. Trump needed an enemy and guys like Jack Posobiec and Mike Cernovich decided they could find one or they could create one. Mm-hmm. And what they did was start finding Antifa around every corner, behind every anti-Trump action. Every every individual who got in their way was labeled Antifa. If you If Correct. you remember... <laughs> if you remember when the the Bumble Jack story came out when they found someone leaked it onto Twitter that Jack who had a pregnant wife at the time had a profile on the dating app Bumble and the profile linked to his personal Facebook account Jack of course denied that this happened and said that he was set up And who was he set up by? An Antifa hacker. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to mention the person's name. This is a person who knew who Jack Posobiec was and happened to be using Bumble and leaked it onto the internet. Mm -hmm. And so rather than admit any guilt, rather than saying he did anything wrong, Jack created an enemy and he was pretty much throughout 2017, the enemy was Antifa. So this is an Antifa hacker who set him up and wanted to besmirch his good name. And that's all it was. Mm -hmm. And Antifa, (laughs) it's just, especially early on, they really, really had to dig and Right. Use quite a bit of pretzel logic to link anyone to quote unquote Antifa because there just wasn't much of a, a movement. Right. At that and point. one of the things that they did at that year in 2017 
was they got a group called the Revolutionary Communist Party, who've been around absolutely forever, to basically play the role of Antifa in a supposed clash on November 4th, 2017, that was going to be the kickoff for the American Civil War. The Revolutionary Communist Party is a group run by a guy named Bob Avakian. They have been around forever. They were known at the time as Refuse Fascism. Before that, they were using various other names, but they've been around the lefty protest scene for quite some time. Most people who've been around know who they are, can't stand them. They're awful. They know they're a bunch of Stalinists and nobody really wants anything to do with them. They are not Antifa by any stretch of the imagination, but they're close enough for guys like Posobiec and Cernovic to use them as a foil for this whole thing. And it's very hard to really say what Jack was thinking in a lot of these cases because Jack refuses to address any of this stuff now. He doesn't do interviews with anybody who's going to push him. He's been ducking people like Michael Edison Hayden for a number of years when it comes to interviews. He only has a representative com- uh, contact Hayden and will not speak to him directly. The, the last time that he said anything to him, he threatened to report him to the FBI. Correct. The same FBI that he wants to defund. We'll see how yep. that goes. Yeah, still waiting on that. It's been several years. Still still waiting on a response there. But yeah, Michael Hayden keeps reporting on Jack at uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. And God bless him, because mm-hmm. somebody needed to. And again, if Jack is simply pretending to be a racist for some reason, he should really come out and say that if he doesn't want people to think that that's what he is. I mean, in the words of the American writer, Kurt Vonnegut, we are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful about what we pretend to be. And if he's pretending, then he needs to maybe accept the idea that people are going to say, well, you're a racist. Yeah, he's much more concerned with the racist label sticking than he is saying racist things or at least dog whistling for racism. But I I did want to point out with the Antifa stuff that... If you look back at the coverage of quote-unquote Antifa prior to 2017 and Trump taking office, there is not much. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the coverage that you'll find is on pro-Kremlin media, specifically RT and Sputnik. Look, this is not us trying to demonize or other Antifa. It is to say that there are people on the right who made a concerted effort to grow a, and they're still doing it, a fascist or a quasi-fascist movement. And while they did that, part of the way that they explained and were able to find apologists for their rhetoric, for their actions, was to overinflate and in some cases, just outright create this boogeyman of Antifa. Right. But at the same time, there are plenty of people out there who have noted and are aware of a growing fascist movement on the right, which has gained steam because of Trump essentially looking the other way and allowing people to be around him who espouse those beliefs or are very closely aligned with the movement. You look at a guy like Stephen Miller, who 
apparently reads and disseminates material around the White House from the white nationalist site VDARE. Mm. And you realize it's the unspoken word with a lot of these people. But it's a difficult story to tell. But there, there are plenty of people who would call themselves Antifa, who I want to say are doing good and important work, and they have no interest in violence or all these terrible things that they are accused of by the right. But it was also early on, and even sometimes today, things get labeled Antifa because the hard right, because extremists need an enemy. And so they went and found one. Right. And here's an example of that from Politico, uh, Sean Musgrave, 824, 2017. A popular online petition to designate as domestic terrorists, leftists collectively known as Antifa, was written by a well-known pro-Trump troll. Petition gathered enough signatures this week to require a response from the White House. The petition asks the Pentagon to designate Antifa groups, term short for anti-fascists, including some of the leftists who confronted white supremacist groups in Charlottesville, Virginia, as terrorists, just as they rightfully declared ISIS a terror group. The petition's viral dissemination on social media is a tactic aimed at focusing conservatives on a common enemy, the petition's writer, who goes by the moniker Microchip, told Politico. Unquote. This guy, who is a Trump troll, who is a one of Trump's media monkeys is out there trying to find a way to get things kind of back together. Microchip, as the Politico article said, is a washed-up online provocateur who has been off of Twitter for a very long time, claims to (laughs) direct legions of automated bots. He called the petition a waste of time, but a useful distraction from recent infighting amongst conservative factions. Quote, it was to bring our broken right side together after Charlottesville, he said, and prop up Antifa as a punching bag. So the narrative changed from I hate myself because we have neo-Nazis on our side to I really hate Antifa. Let's get along and tackle the terrorists. Yeah, and it's awful interesting that in late 2016, early 2017, there was this online troll movement called MAGA3X. Mm -hmm. And there are quite a few archived tweets where the microchip user is tweeting anti-Hillary, pro-Trump memes and participating in campaigns and labeling his posts with the hashtag MAGA3X. And who else was doing that at the time? Well, uh, Mike Cernovich and Baked Alaska Mm -hmm. and Jack Posobiec. Microchip claims to be part of the group that created QAnon. And Jack, who of course does not amplify conspiracy theories, decided to interview Microchip about this. I've uh, infiltrated um, Antifa groups. They have literature that they talk about, right? That there is uh, dissident books and things like that of how to, you know, riot. And- so they're obsessed yeah. with what I would say some of the anarchist writers and socialist anarchist yes. writers from Europe in the 1900s, I've noticed. Yeah, yes, big time, right? And, um, and it comes to the Saul Alinsky type stuff, right? Like how the rules for radicals, how to, how to uh, disrupt society, etc. And one of those books that they came up with was this, uh, was Q by the Italian author guy, right? And in that book, uh, he did the, the ominous messaging and um, he would sign his messages as Q. We wanted to do something else. Uh, we started talking about different ways that uh, we could engage Trump supporters. This was meant to be just like a small unifying factor, just like the petition, right? 
something quick, easy, done, out the door. It wasn't meant to go as far as it has. What could go wrong when you platform a guy who openly praises Hitler as Microchip has? It's really interesting who was around at that time and what they were up to. And when you look back with the benefit of a couple of years worth of hindsight, you can see a little more than you could at the time about how this stuff was being put together. And it becomes clear that the whole concept of Antifa to some extent was used by this side to give them, like you said, a common enemy to fight as opposed to oh my God, we've got these dirtbags on our side who were marching with tiki torches in Charlottesville. What's wrong with us? No, it was intended to normalize those guys because of course you need them to fight these Antifa people. Yeah, they're not doing this because it's fun or because they want to fight people or they love to spread hate speech. What even is hate speech? Right. It's we're, we're just responding to the Antifa. And if not for groups like Antifa, then Jack wouldn't need to associate with groups like the Proud Boys, with groups like the Oath Keepers, with groups like the Alt Knights. Here's Jack talking a little bit about how he feels about those groups. Proud Boys USA is, is here. What's up? What is up? Proud of your boy. Proud Boys. So the Alt Knights is... Um, uh, Kyle Chapman's organization that he's putting together, Kyle Chapman's putting this organization together to say, to say we need a fraternal order of alt knights, excuse me, the fraternal order of alt knights. Uh, and that's the protection wing of the Proud Boys, right? Uh, with a K. With a K. How do you say it? Folk? With the folk? Foak? What is the purpose of organizations like that? like Proud Boys, like the Oath Keepers that have been out there. I work very closely with the Oath Keepers. If you guys didn't know that, you know, they were out there all day today. Uh, they were doing their support. The Oath Keepers are already doing pre-security for, uh, for the Trump rally in Harrisburg this Saturday. Uh, they're letting me know what's going on with that. Because of my background in the Navy uh, and my background working uh, uh, with the uh, intelligence community, um, I'm, I'm very, very, very security minded. Uh, when I was with Citizens for Trump, I was actually the also the security director for them. Uh, so it's something that I take very, very seriously. So one of the other things that Jack gets accused of frequently is being a Russian asset. So then you've got the Russia truthers and the Russia truthers say that I'm some kind of Russian troll. I'm a Russian bot, right? But here's the thing. I'm... Polish. I'm Polish and yeah, ain't never been to Moscow. Sorry about that. So I don't know if you know any little thing called history between the Poles and the Russians. And I think you would know, quite frankly, no Polish person, no proud Polish son of Poland, right, is ever going to work for the Russians. Too many years of history there, too much baggage, too many years of bloodshed, too many years of oppression by the Muscovites, not going to happen. And quite frankly, I'm not. I even know any Russians. This is a solid point that the history of the relationship between the Poles and the Russians is not a happy one. Poland has always gotten some of the worst Russian aggression and to this day, the Russians are threatening them as the war in Ukraine wages. So, yes, no true son of Poland would help Russia. 
that would be antithetical to everything the polls are about. Uh, yes. So if that's the case, why does his narrative that he pushes to his nearly 2 million followers on Twitter and his podcast audience so closely follow the Russian line? Hey, look, man, coincidences happen. I, I don't I don't know what you're getting at. It's uh, he's just a proud nationalist mm-hmm. and he doesn't know anything really about Russia. Doesn't even know any Russians, as he said. Why, exactly. So if, if that's the case, then what was his role in the Macron leaks scandal? Oh, that, that was was that journalism or was that? Ah, must have been journalism. Was is are we still calling WikiLeaks journalists? I know they they uh, use those Russian servers for a while, and and they refused to publish information that was detrimental to the Russian state and against that agenda. And they well, there's voluminous evidence now that Russia hacked the the DNC in in 2016. Yeah, I mean, read the Mueller report; it's all in there. But but. You know, it it doesn't matter that it seems like that's not true because I've I've heard that it wasn't the Russians that hacked the DNC. It was actually Seth Rich, mm-hmm. and this is just a, a deep state conspiracy theory. And the the whole idea that the Seth Rich story started on some obscure platform by SVR, Russian foreign intelligence, uh, that's who who would believe such a crazy thing? Well, that's crazy, but what's even crazier is that the person who was on this 15 minutes after the posts showed up on 4chan was Jack Posobiec. He was blasting this stuff out from his account 15 minutes what luck? after Fif- these things dropped. He just happened to... Uh, gosh, how much time does he spend on 4chan? Apparently well, quite a lot. Ooh. From the BBC article here, the man who popularized the data dump says he was expecting it and was poised to spread it. 14 minutes after the Friday leaks on 4chan, Jack Posobiec, a journalist who writes for far-right Canadian outlet Rebel Media, posted a link to the thread to Twitter using the hashtag MacronLeaks. Jack may have been first, but he wasn't the biggest. Then WikiLeaks came in. That's, it's just awful interesting that, that... What did you wait? What did you say? It's um, he was expecting it. Yeah, is that what the quote? He said he yeah, was he, expecting well, he, it. Well, that is interesting because another thing that Jack posted on his Twitter account, and there's an archive of this, he posted Roger Stone's Twitter DMs with a Twitter account known as Goosefer 2.0, which was in contact with in 2016 was in contact with. Roger Stone and another ally of theirs, Cassandra Fairbanks, who used to work for Russian State TV at Sputnik. So Goosefer, too, had this conversation back and forth with Roger Stone about potential material that could be released that could be damaging to Hillary Clinton. And I don't know. I Robert Mueller, you know, deep state and all those all those right wing caveats go here, I guess. But he claims that Goosefer 2.0 was actually an officer of Russian military intelligence, or GRU. And I guess I, I just, if you've got GRU talking to Roger Stone, and then you've got Macron leaks, which I think may have been hacked by the Russians, well, I'm sure there's another story to that that's far, far more believable. But <laughs> Jack was just uh, expecting 
some information. I, I wonder who he got a tip from. An anonymous source, no doubt. Anonymous. It, it could be could be anyone. Well, supposedly be that guy was Latvian. The IP address connected to this was Latvian, but the Department of Justice and the FBI did charge six Russian military intelligence hackers from GRU with cyber crimes, including, quote, spear phishing campaigns and related hack and leak efforts targeting French President Macron and his political party prior to the 2017 French elections. So. Okay. So I guess that makes me question, obviously, the veracity, the believability of this of this argument could be damning to a person who shared this information. So it, it seems logical to me that if the Russians did it and you participated in it based on the information that they hacked and ran some sort of disinformation campaign, wouldn't you, wouldn't you want people to not believe the department of justice? Wouldn't you would, wouldn't that be the kind of thing that you would, be heavily involved in a disinformation campaign to call the DOJ the deep state and a bunch of treasonous traitors who don't understand anything? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to do everything possible to get your audience to never listen to them again? You absolutely would. And what has he done since? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Let's not pretend like he isn't the only one. MAGA has has very much latched onto this and has fully embraced it. And it starts from Trump on down. But when you have guys who are foot soldiers and who are just making some memes and and asking some questions and have some anonymous friends out there who even knows why why would you ask why would you ask for more? Right. And it's funny that in another one of those weird coincidences that seems to happen whenever Jack's around, the Navy decided that they were going to pull his security clearance right about that time. He, at one point, had a top-secret clearance. And after all of this went down, this is from Task and Purpose, they pulled his clearance and they moved him over to your analysis collection, among other things as a daily job duty for his reserve service. And that's not exactly the kind of thing that the Navy does if they're happy with you. I would venture to say no, that uh, that does not sound like a person who's made many friends. He really pissed somebody off, pardon the pun. (laughs) This is from Task and Purpose. They say, that's not good news for a naval officer's career progression. Posobiec, now lieutenant junior grade, says his current billet out of Navy Operational Support Center Washington is, quote, administrative, unquote, in nature handling personnel records. Previous officer fitness reports show Posobiec has had ancillary duties as a urinalysis officer and overseeing physical fitness testing in his units. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a promotion. No. Doesn't sound no. like, but it must have been the deep state, right? Absolutely. They were threatened by him. He said it was a toxic work environment. For his truth-telling. Right. I, wait, 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 wait. Is it truth telling or is it is it sarcastic memes? One or the other. But it's hard to say because, you know, he won't say. It changes depending uh, on who he's talking to and when. Yeah. And as as we mentioned previously, this is from Daily Beast, though he's a reservist, he maintained one of the highest clearances known as top secret secret compartmentalized information. 
a clearance holder who has a full-time job in a non-governmental capacity is still bound by the rules and restrictions that come with holding a security clearance, National Security Attorney Brad Moss told the Daily Beast. Mr. Posobiec cannot turn on and turn off his obligation to the U.S. government, even as a reservist. The obligation would include not promoting Macron leaks, the WikiLeaks-led effort to release 20,000 emails from the presidential campaign of Emmanuel Macron before the French election, Moss said. So this is obviously something that the U.S. government was not okay with. This is obviously something that cost him, one could say, his naval career and not be entirely inaccurate. And Jack has never especially presented as a stupid person. So one would think that he kind of had to know there were going to be consequences as a result of this. So why limit yourself like this? Why make a a career-limiting decision such as this? We don't know. Well, there was some sort of safety net afforded because he's still out there and doing what he does. Mm -hmm. But it does seem like he picked a side. Well, Jack said so himself. We're not at a good time in this country. We're really not. You need to take a stand and you need to pick a side now. And while he would say it's the patriotic, proper morals and, and values and the the beliefs that we as a nation should hold dear, I, I tend to think if you lose your security clearance, if you kind of get run out of the Navy, I don't know, maybe you're not as patriotic as you seem. Right. Yeah, we got these... Emails that were hacked by GRU, Russian military intelligence, and leaked to WikiLeaks. And they they had emails from John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager in 2016. And the vast majority of this was campaign-related and rather boring. And there were also some personal emails about cooking recipes and as they do these you domestic actors in the u.s who did nothing wrong etc all the all the usual caveats apply but they went through these emails and they looked for some sort of campaign that they could jump on and that their followers would enjoy memeing and raising hell about and so the first iteration was this idea of spirit cooking. Mm-hmm. Spirit cooking was this idea of Hillary Clinton and satanic sacrifices, and they had pictures of blood, and it was a thing. And then they managed to put children and child trafficking into the conversation, and these memers decided that after Trump had won the election, they weren't actually going to let this go. And spirit cooking became Pizzagate, which became the supposed child trafficking operation that was operating in DC out of a pizza parlor. And there were children that were secretly held there. Mm -hmm. And well, you know that these do-gooders had to go out and save the children. Jack himself actually decided to go to the pizza parlor and check out the veracity of these rumors. Which absolutely blew up, and 
it turned into a massive scandal when a young man who was listening to some of these people online. I, I am, of course, not alleging that he listened to Jack because Jack has repeatedly denied any involvement in Pizzagate and has, of course, deleted all of his tweets and periscopes and anything that could tie him to Pizzagate. So we just have to take him at his word with that unless you unless you have any evidence to the contrary. Right. But how could we? Because he's denied it. Could How could yeah, we? How could we? Absolutely. And I decided that I wanted to go for some pizza. And so I realized that there was a pizza place that I had heard about very, very nearby my home, Washington, D.C., called Comet Pizza. So let's go take a look, shall we? Weird how this keeps happening, but I digress. I, you know, he he denied it, like he denied everything, or the deep state did it, or it's just a joke. I'll bet the dog ate his homework a lot when he was a kid. Do we need to take a class? Maybe, maybe if he would teach a class about memes, and mm-hmm. if we could learn how to meme, then we would get it. But I, it's just not, it's not breaking through to right, me. Right, right. But again, he is not a conspiracy theorist. Don't say that. It's not fair. Then you got the the more, like, the mainstream media kind of version. They say, uh, Posobiec, he's a, he's a conspiracy theorist troll. Never mind Pizzagate. Never mind Macron leaks. Never mind the DNC and spirit cooking. Never mind any of this. He's not a conspiracy theorist. Don't you say otherwise? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or he will threaten to... Sick the FBI on mm. you, and he means it. It must be the good FBI agents, Absolutely. not the not the deep state ones. There are definitely some good FBI agents. We do not mean all of the FBI, uh, of course. Right, of course not. As long as they don't do something we dislike, and then we mean them too. But <laughs> I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. But yes, of course, Pizzagate happens. There is a young man who shows up to save the children that he believed were held in the basement at a pizza parlor. And he showed up with a gun and fired some rounds into the ceiling. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But he eventually was convinced to stand down once he realized that there was not a basement at the pizza parlor where he believed children were being held against their will. But after this arrest happened... Jack Basobic, of course, tweeted that the D.C. police chief said there was nothing to tie this attack to hashtag Pizzagate, which is not what the D.C. police chief said at the time. The source must have lied to him, right? Or something, yeah. He's got a lot of sources. Mm-hmm. Some of them inside the White House, according to him. Joe Biden's White Joe White Biden's House? White House. He has a WH source, he says. WH. What, is, what does WH stand for? Some would say it stands for Waffle House. Some would say it stands for White House. Uh, it's really kind of hard to say. They seem about equally plausible to me when it comes to him. But mm. he, we're not saying he's lying. We're not saying he's lying about any of this. Well, how could we say he's lying? Because he's not even saying that he has a White House source. He's saying that he has a WH source. Right, exactly. Now, if you you do your own research and then assume that he means White House... He's okay with that. Yeah. 
that, but he didn't, he didn't claim right. it. Right. And just like at one point he claimed in his bio, FMR CBS News. Yeah. And I believe Michael Hayden at, at SBLC looked into that and tried to find evidence that he worked at CBS News. Did No. What? No, Michael Hayden no. was completely unsuccessful in finding any evidence that Jack had ever worked for CBS News. He may have been an intern at a local TV station at one point, but that's about as close as it got. Well, but that's that's the fake news. Right. Has Jack actually presented evidence that he worked at CBS News? Well, it was in his Twitter bio. Oh, okay. I believe it was in a resume as well. Oh, was it? Oh, it, yeah, it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I wonder what kind of response they got when they called his employers to check. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He definitely seems to, if nothing else, exaggerate and stretch the truth quite a bit. Why do you think he does this? Well, I wouldn't want to call him a pathological liar because... We're not psychologists. We're not really qualified to go around diagnosing people as being mentally ill or pathological liars or sure. any of that. I wouldn't want to do that and make that mistake. I will say that the former CBS newsman did get verified on Twitter and mm. back when that used to require more than $8. And the you have to wonder if you claim to be a journalist and you say you worked at CBS News, even if your current outlet is... Rebel Media, well, back at the time, that was enough to get verified. Mm -hmm. And he got verified, and he stayed verified, and he didn't get banned over Pizzagate, even though a lot of people did, because one might one might say that he deleted his tweets. One of the comments when SPLC reached out to Twitter to ask, why was this guy not banned a long time ago? And they said, well, there's nothing live on his accounts that breaks our terms of service huh well yeah yeah i guess there weren't and that could be construed to be a reason why he deletes his tweets after the i don't want to say disinformation campaign after the the information campaign let's just call it information because he is supplying information he certainly is that that is information that is information i don't want to comment on its veracity on it uh, on the the truth of the information but it is it is a plethora of information that he provides to the public and afterwards if one hasn't had any concerns about being banned from twitter well one could make the decision to delete those tweets to avoid consequences and apparently that can work in some mm -hmm. cases hmm. good to know Good to know, because he definitely seems like he deletes quite a few tweets and he deletes things and then has a habit of saying he never said those things, even when archives show up later that prove that that was not accurate, that he did actually say those things. And if you show up in his replies or his quote tweets with evidence that he's lying, well, he blocks mm -hmm. you immediately. Every time. Absolutely. He is one of the quickest people to block on the website. Because he does not want his followers to see that. And how dare you contradict the narrative that he has worked so hard to cultivate. But gosh, you just have to wonder why, once again, why so many of these narratives align quite well with the Russian state. And you have to wonder why he is quoted 
by by RT and Sputnik and these other outlets so frequently. I guess if I were a conspiracy theorist, I might say that people who repeatedly pushed the Russian state media lines are at the very least useful idiots or fellow travelers. Mm -hmm. But you can't... Well, if you accuse Jack of that, I'm I'm pretty sure he'll block you. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure he'll have an insult to throw your way. And this is part of the reason he tweets so much, so often. People who don't want to see what he is can wait five minutes and then they'll see another side of him that maybe they're okay with. Right, right. And, you know, if it's really something that will cause a problem, that tweet's probably going to be gone relatively quickly because he'll figure it out. Again, no one's ever accused Jack of being a stupid person because he isn't. He's quite intelligent from the looks of it. You kind of have to be to be able to do some of what he's done. But he's definitely raising a lot of questions with his behavior. And again, we're not claiming to have any definitive answers here when it comes to why he does what he does, because the guy has spent quite a bit of time kind of refusing to answer those sorts of questions. All we can do is present a record of what the man has said and done and leave it up to you, the audience, to do your own research. I would very much recommend you do that research, starting with the Southern Poverty Law Center's Hate Watch and the extremist file on Jack Posobiec. Absolutely. So head on over there and check those out. It's a great jumping off point for anything else you would want to know about this guy. Yeah, there are seven different articles at present in early 2023 about Jack's disinformation agenda. Let's, let's, you know, you've got, you've got the different articles. You've got one on his background, one on his disinformation agenda, one on Russian influence, one on ties to white supremacist, one on ties to Polish neo-fascist, one on his ties to the male supremacy agenda and finally, his ties to mainstream figures. Now, that may be why Jack calls the SPLC a hate group. Hmm. But it hmm, he really does not want people to go read those. No, does he, he does not. He absolutely claims that the SPLC is trying to get him killed. He claims that they are trying to organize a mass shooting against him and his family. He has made that claim as well. But... All the SPLC has done is write some really, really well-sourced, well-thought-out, and legally vetted articles about the man that he doesn't like. But have Jack's attorneys or representatives managed to uh, get this taken down? Or They have not. Any retractions or apologies? No, they have not. Any of this? Oh, and is it chock full of archives and sources backing up every claim that's... Made. Absolutely it is because, well, Jack likes to threaten to sue people. And as a result, anybody who researches him or writes about him has learned that you have to document absolutely everything. You have to lean away from making definitive statements about why he does what he does. You just simply have to present the evidence of the things that he's actually said. And again, let the audience make up their own mind about what they think is going on here. Do your own research. Yeah, do your own research. And I guess it's unfortunate 
that certain people do not understand his sense of humor Mm -hmm. and take seriously the things that he wrote and said and memed in jest and took that to mean something definitively that his followers, his large audience, currently at 1.9 million Twitter followers, would listen to and feel informed on to make decisions about their politics, their voting, how they view the world. If, if they don't understand that it's all just a joke and a game, well, I guess they've just done the wrong research. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.